Good. It was a snowy morning. I was a little ex- uh, excited, I guess, but surprised. Um, so it's good. Scenery is good. So um, special welcome online as well. Uh, we're glad you could make it. Uh, my name's Sam Spence, uh, and I serve on the teaching team here at New Hope. So every Tuesday here at the church, uh, we have a group of people that get together, and we sermon plan. Uh, we plan the sermon series. We get together. We bounce things off of each other, and I'm honored to serve on that team and honored to preach this morning. So this morning, it's very important that you have a Bible in front of you. So right now, if you don't have a Bible on your phone, please go to the back and grab one, okay? No one's going to judge you, but I think it's very important to actually physically have Scripture in front of you this morning, uh, especially with my preaching style. We're going to kind of be all over the place. So like I said, if you need a Bible, grab one, get your phone out, Get it to Galatians 6, get ready, because we're going to hop in in just a moment. So in preparing for today's message, reading through this letter uh, to Galatia and, and the churches there, I was reminded why I love reading Paul's letters, specifically the end of Paul's letters. Um, w- when I read the, uh, the ending of Paul's letters, um, I get to see some of his personality, um, this is what I'm, I'm kind of picking up on. You see his human nature, or, or whatever you want to call it. Because Paul's letters, if you've read Galatians 6, uh, what we're going to talk about today is a rapid, random assortment of information, thoughts, all good information, but they're all points that weren't really expanded on. He just kind of gave some expectations, some truth, signed his letter, and it was done. So we have a lot we're going to talk about today. Um, And it's also important to know that uh, Paul actually dictated most of his letters. So this is when Sam's imagination really starts to turn. I just view Paul laying on his couch. He's eating grapes, speaking to his dictator, okay? And they're, they're just going on and on, and he's writing on the scribe, and it's starting to fill up. So the dictator turns to Paul and says, hey man, we're running out of room So Paul goes, bam, 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 gets up, signs it, sends it. So I don't know if that's how it happened. That's just kind of how it seems when I I read it. So again, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in um, Galatians chapter 6. But first, let's turn back a chapter. Uh, Let's review the past two weeks with Galatians 5. We're going to talk about, we're going to expand on what Pastor Tim was talking about the past two weeks about living in the Spirit versus living in the flesh. So I want to make sure this is a clear foundation before we move on. And again, if you've been with us for the past seven weeks, we've been in the book of Galatians, and we've been looking at Paul, uh, his letter, confronting repeatedly the false teachers in the region of um, Galatia. And these Judaizers, they they were teaching things that were outside of the gospel. They were adding things. They were adding circumcision, the food laws, the Sabbath, and so on. You guys remember all that. They were adding to a simple gospel. So again, uh, let's, let's look at what Pastor Tim talked about um, and review what living in the flesh looks like. Okay, so this is Galatians 5.19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, 
envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the things of these of which I forewarn you. Just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you guys remember this from last week? This is the things of the flesh. Okay, We don't need to expand on that because Pastor Tim did a great job. But now let's look at the other end Okay, about living in the Spirit. Okay, and it's really funny because I actually wore my Fruit of the Spirit socks today. <laughs> Had to show those off. They got little fruits on them. <laughs> so those of you in the back may not see it. So this is what living in the Spirit looks like. The Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So church, this is our challenge again today. Okay, it's, it's my goal to steward our time well this morning, but also to tie a bow around the book of Galatians. Um, and we're going to take that journey together. But we have to understand what living in the Spirit is and what living in the flesh is. And I'm sorry, I should have read, read on. So this is also living in the Spirit. So now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Let's not become boastful challenging one another, envying one another, okay? So we all good, living in the spirit versus living in the flesh. So, got your Bibles? Let's go ahead and turn to Galatians 6, starting in verse 1. Give you a moment to get there. I'm gonna grab a drink. Ah, Perfect, I hear the Bibles going. That's great. So let's read this together. Brothers and sisters, even, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, each, each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. So we see Paul here in verse 1. He's talking about dealing with a person who's caught in wrongdoing. So maybe your version of scripture, it might say a transgression. It might say a sin. It might say overtaken by sin. But I think as we move on, it's important to remember who Paul is talking about. He's talking about how we as Christ followers are to deal with other Christ followers. Okay, this isn't talking about dealing with your non-believing coworker and so on. So this is how we deal with each other in the body of Christ. Right? It's our church handbook is what we're talking about this morning. So before we move on, I kind of want to focus on this word wrongdoing because this can get a little muddy uh, in a church sometimes. Um, And if you have your bulletin, uh, this is what a a wrongdoing is, okay? Your first fill-in. A sin is a violation of God's character. This is the wrongdoing we're seeing in Galatians 6.1. A sin is a violation of God's character. When a fellow believer violates God's character, they are to be corrected and restored. But what we're going to spend a lot of time on this morning is the spirit in which you do that. And it has to be done in the spirit of gentleness. Because you you guys have heard the saying, easier said than done. Yeah, that's true here. (laughs) off. And church people can sometimes tick you off more than just other people. 
right? So there's a lot we're going to talk about. Talking about this concept of sin, okay? A sin is a violation of God's character. People sin in, in various ways, right? We know it. I've sinned in various ways. You've sinned in various ways. Um, sometimes we choose to sin, okay? We know right and we know wrong. How many of y'all have wild kids? Okay, I had one hand. Okay, a bunch of liars. Some more hands. How many of you are a wild kid or you married a wild kid? There's more hands. Okay, so you guys understand. So often with wild children, okay, you set boundaries. The child knows what's right and what's wrong, but what happens sometimes? Yes, they break the rules, and we are no different. Sometimes we sin, and we should know better. We make the wrong choice. But sometimes we sin out of ignorance, or we didn't know better. You'll see this often with a spiritual infant or somebody new to their walk. They, they don't know what's right or wrong. That happens. Sometimes we sin out of ignorance. And here's what, where it gets really, really tricky with dealing with other Christ followers in sin is have you ever thought about trying to confront someone when they did something wrong but they don't know it? How, what kind of spirit are you going to have to use in that moment? Gentleness, right? Easier said than done. There is just so much in verse 1. So that's our challenge this morning. How do you approach a Christ follower, maybe somebody in this room, somebody at work, who has sinned and they don't know they sinned or they don't believe they've done anything wrong? That's where we're going to spend some time because you have to do it gently because sin is a violation of God's character. So let's look at how we deal with people, okay? So starting, those who are spiritual, where is that at? First one, thank you. So we'll, we'll just start here. Brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, I even underlined it and I couldn't find it. That's man's disease right there, man. It's right in front of me and I can't find it. Woo! And I underlined that on purpose. That's really scary. So you who are spiritual... Okay, talking about Christ followers. You are to restore such a person in a spirit of what, church? Absolutely. Each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Church, it says gentleness. And church, where do we, where do we get Gentleness. Fruit of the Spirit. Yes, I about had to show you my socks again, right? So do we get gentleness living in the flesh? No, we don't. We get the opposite of gentleness. So you guys guessed it, and we're going to read this together, okay? Because we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So all together, church, one, two, three. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. Very good. That was awesome. I always wanted to do that. So, let's talk more about gentleness, all right? And I want to be very clear that I'm going to share some things that are my opinion, okay? You won't find this in the Bible, but for me, in my experiences, this is true about gentleness. So, that's a forewarning I'll remind you here in a little bit as well. 
So when I think of gentleness, I think of a mixed berry smoothie, okay? I love smoothies, okay? I should probably drink more of them, but they're, they're delicious, okay? So gentleness, okay, this is Sam's opinion. I believe you need multiple fruits to make a gentleness smoothie, okay? You get where I'm going? So I would argue, okay, Sam's opinion, in order to live in the spirit of gentleness, you need to be living in the fruit of the spirit of self-control, because if you're not in control, how are you going to be gentle, right? Right? So ingredient to your smoothie, your gentleness smoothie, I would argue self-control. What else do you think, church? Yep, love. I heard peace. Patience. You get where I'm going? Okay. So you could throw in kindness, love, joy, patience. So... I'm going to tell you guys a story because we like stories. Where are my friends that like to work on things with their hands? Okay, guys, gals. Perfect. This will be a good analogy. This will be really good. Okay, so how many of you guys, when working on something, maybe a craft or a car, have lost your patience? Okay, same amount of hands. That's awesome. Um, maybe it's a dresser from Ikea. <laughs> they don't call it a, a dresser. It's like a schnurfendurfen or... Bogelschnaut or something in Swedish. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just glad they put the English next to it. I wouldn't know what I'm getting. So, but let me tell you, those instructions, they might as well be in like Swedish. Like I was like, I don't know who built this the first time, but I'd pay extra to have them build it. Anyway, that's, I'm going to stop. But you guys know the feeling when a project turns bad. You're one stripped bolt away from breaking out the torch, Right? And you go into it, and you say, all right, honey, I'll be back in 10 minutes. Four hours go by, right? We've been there. And by your laughter, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> so for me, some of my most angriest moments on this earth have been in the garage. But what's really cool is some of my happiest moments have been in a garage. And just kind of realize that. I should probably tell my counselor that. <laughs> That's kind of cool. So anyway, um, I'm distracting myself. So Sean, I've got a picture that sh probably should hang on my garage. So he's going to put that up on the screen for us. Nice. It's funny because it's true, right? And does anybody else need this sign sometimes in their garage? Because if we act now, if we buy 15 on Amazon, we can get 83 cents off. So come see me afterwards. So I, I relate to this. I can relate to this, right? Just last month, I was building a motor for my car. I took the mo was taking the motor out, um, and I was going to put it back in after a rebuild. And let me just say, sometimes engineers should be forced to work on the things they design because I had this one bolt, okay? And it's a bell housing bolt. Exaggerating. Literally, the last bolt I had to get out before I could take the motor out and put the new one in. Was that bolt easy for me? No. I had to take off the CV axle, which I spilled training fluid all over myself, right? Then I had to take the hub off, take the strut off, pull the CV out, and now I need an alignment. And then the bolt was stuck. So you guys can tell I'm already a little bit frustrated with how the project's going because my goal was to get it done that night. Um, so this long, this whole process was very frustrating. Then I get my wrench on it and it's stuck. 
Okay, so you add heat, you get penetrating oil, and then you fi it finally busts loose, but then what happens, guys? Then you punch the bottom of the motor. You guys been in a situation like that? So what are your options in that moment, church? <laughs> You're in the garage, it's 11.30 at night, you get that bolt loose. You can celebrate, right? And you're shaking your hand like this. Or you can grab that wrench and chuck it next to the other wrench in the drywall. <laughs> right? <laughs> living in the spirit, living in the flesh, right? I could be, thank, thank you, God, I have a car that I can work on. Nope, I'm ticked. <laughs> right? Caution. Flying tools. So, so this is a fun analogy to think about, that this tension of losing your cool, right? But think about maybe a time in the Christian community when you've been frustrated like that, okay? Think about that. Because living and worshiping with other Christians is messy in itself. There's going to be times where they sin against you. There's going to be times when they sin and need corrected, Maybe there's a time when you sin against them and you screw up, but it's just like working on something and you're about to lose your cool. When somebody messes up and needs corrected, do you blow up on them? And, and here's, our, here's our challenge. When people look at you, okay, when people look at me, what does your sign say? What do your actions show other people. Maybe for you, temper ahead. Or caution, gossip zone. Do you want to be known as the caution, gossip ahead Christian? I don't. Or maybe the warning, don't come in here sign. Or the be beware of dog. I might bite you. I may be right, I've got the verse to show it to you, but I'm not coming about it with love. Do you want to be known as the caution, incoming judgments, Christian? Or the caution, flying scripture? We all know those. They, they treat scripture like a hand grenade. They just chuck it. Read that. Read some of that. Right? Or do you want your sign to say something else? Because that's what we're talking about today, living in the spirit or living in the flesh. Church, I think our signs should say welcome. I don't think they should say caution, warning, danger. I think we should want our sign to say, you are loved. I care about you. You are enough. You are welcome. Pop off your shoes. Stay a while. Have a meal. Do you tell people in your life who are repeatedly sinning that you love them too much for them to live that way? I think that's a great way to approach people using gentleness. Do you love people with where they're at or do you prefer to lob spiritual grenades at them from a distance, the safety of your home? Because like working on a car or Ikea furniture, relationships are messy, you're gonna get frustrated and you're gonna have a choice to live in the spirit or live in the, in, the, in the flesh. So that, guys, this is why gentleness is difficult. 
Because you have to be living in the spirit even to practice gentleness in Sam's opinion because it's so complex. It's like that fruit smoothie. So, we're going to look at verse 2 now, okay? Oop, don't read that. So, this is why it's important for you to have Bibles in, in your hands because I didn't put it on the screen, all right? I warned you. So, verse 2, what's it talking about? It's talking about carrying each other's burdens, okay? In order to carry others' burdens well, you have to be living in gentleness, okay? And I'll be honest, there's probably some of us in here today that are actually not ready um, to help others, and I'm going to give you a few reasons, okay? And if this is you, this is, it's okay. So, reasons you may not be ready to bear others' burdens, okay? Maybe you don't understand or practice gentleness. If you have not applied gentleness, if you are not living in the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, how are you going to help other people carry their burdens? Because when you help somebody carry their burdens, you have to do some things. You have to get down on their level. You have to be patient, Okay? You got to have self-control, not to blow up, because you're like, why don't you get this? Right? You got to set aside pride, judgments, expectations even. And, and if this is you today, and you're convicted about that, it's okay, but you need to make a choice today. Maybe it's time to stop living in the flesh and start living in the Spirit and start this journey. Because in order to do verse 2, you have to be living in gentleness. You look at the way Jesus met people one-on-one. -on -one, man, if you want a guide, just follow Jesus' life. He was the man of gentleness. So that's our first challenge. If that's convicting, please start to unlock what gentleness means, all right? Okay, number two, you're still carrying your own burdens, Okay, write that down. So after we go to the store, men, do we make one trip or we, do we make two trips? I see smiles, but no answers. <laughs> one trip, right? So if your hands are full, okay, imagine that concept. Your hands are full of groceries. Are you, there becomes a point when you can't take any more. I will say that, Okay. <laughs> I know you say there can always be more. You got them up your arms. But there becomes a point where you're carrying so much you actually can't help carry anymore. Okay? Or think about, like, burdens as a stinky trash bag. Okay? You got a big black trash bag. I was going to bring one, but it was kind of gross. So it stinks, it smells, it leaks. Okay? We all have baggage. It stinks, it smells, it leaks. We all do. Okay? If you don't know how to carry your own baggage well, your hands are going to be too full, too heavy, to help anybody else. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So if, if you have not done this, if you have not lightened your own load and you're still carrying around things from your past, I would strongly, strongly encourage you to pull out your Connect card right now and mark counseling. Okay? We have people here that would love to help you lighten your load because we're not created to go through life alone. Okay? We have a God that would love to help us with our load. Well, we're going to talk more about that in a bit. Also, 
Um, you've heard equip thrown around a lot. If you're interested in light, lightening your load, mark equip on your Connect card because you're going to find out where you've been wounded in the past, areas you didn't even know about. But you have to give up some of your burdens to God. Okay? You have to free up your hands so you can help others bear their burdens. Okay, I'd love to spend like another hour here, but we're going we're gonna to keep going. Verses 3 through 5. For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting, but to himself alone and not to another. For each one will bear his own load. Okay, church, I've got another fill-in for us, so get those pencils ready, and we'll come back. If you think highly of yourself, that means someone or something is below you. If you think highly of yourself, that means someone or something is below you. Church, why do you think this happens in the church body? You can shout it out. There's one word I'm looking for. Pride. Absolutely. You, should, you guys should be up here talking, right? I've seen churches, I've seen leadership, I've seen preachers, I've seen elders allow this into churches. Pride. I've seen the dysfunction firsthand about what happens when we choose to live in the flesh in a body of believers. And that's what's going on here in, in Galatia. This is what Paul is pushing against. People living, choosing to live in the flesh rather than live in the truth and the spirit. So this is just, it's bad stewardship. That, I know it sounds horrible, but churches that are allow, prides allowed in, they are stewarded poorly. And guys, here's what happens if pride sits in a church for too long, okay? If the elders, the leadership, other issues start to form, but it all starts at pride, okay? You'll, we'll see this in the last part of chapter, chapter or verse three. The, the church and the people, they become deceived, okay? You see in, in verse three, they were self-deceived. And then what, what happens? The comparisons start right? And we all know there's dangers in comparisons. Because what's really fascinating is if you compare for long enough, they turn into beliefs, which turn into lifestyles. Okay? And it says each one must examine their own work. Does it say in, in the Bible to compare your work to another's? No, it does not. It says look inward. So, another fill in for you. Pride leads to self-deception, which leads to comparisons, which turn into beliefs and even lifestyles. So have you guys heard of the illusory truth effect? Anybody? Okay, once I start talking about it, the little bell is going to go off in your head because I think I remember this at one point in school and then chose not to remember it. I, I don't know. My, the, the human brain is fascinating. Um, and the way the enemy uses this as well is fascinating. We'll talk about that too. So 
the way the illusory truth effect works, and I'm actually going to read this so I don't mess it up, it's through a mechanism in your mind called cognitive ease. Okay? And this is a measure, cognitive ease is a measure of how hard your brain is working. Okay? I know for a lot of our men in our room, we have a pretty light cognitive ease sometimes, like when we're watching sports or racing or fishing. You're not thinking very hard, right? That would be a easy cognitive ease. Okay? A hard cognitive ease would be like trying to multiply fractions in your head. Okay? You guys get what I'm saying? Or take the SAT or the ACT. So there's a spectrum, easy and hard for cognitive ease. So, here's where it starts to get complex, so I'll try to explain this well. So, things that truly elicit cognitive ease are things that are true, like we know to be true, like fire is hot, right? The grass is green, they have four legs, a dog has four legs. It's like, well, Sam, what does they have four legs? <laughs> so, these are almost familiar truths right? We think of that and we're like, yeah, that's true. Sky's blue. Yep. Grass is green. Yep. That's easy cognitive ease. That's like watching football on a Sunday for some of us, right? So the trouble with the human mind is cognitive ease can be artificially created in other ways. And this is how the enemy attacks us, okay? This is how people sell you things on the internet. This is how political campaigns run. People know this stuff, and it's really scary that they use it against you. So one way of creating this artificial cognitive ease, this comfort, is by repeating information, um, whether true or false, it eventually becomes true. Okay, this is the illusory truth effect. So essentially, if you enough times, your brain actually makes it a truth. Isn't that crazy to think about? There is a point in time for every person, if you or even a truth. If it's said enough, studies have shown that you actually believe it. And if you guys are interested in the illusory truth effect, it's like I-L-L-U-S-O-R-E, truth effect. There's tons of information out on this. It's super fascinating to, to learn about. But there's some application here I, I want to look at. So if you are living in pride right now, okay, we'll just call it what it is, and you're comparing yourself to others, you're eventually going to believe you are either better than someone or less than someone. If you're constantly comparing yourself that you're better than other people, what are you going to believe? You're going to eventually believe that you actually are better than, better than them. Man, we as humans are kind of dumb when you think about it that way, right? We make fun of our pets. Oh, that dog's so dumb. But we as humans, we can be told a lie million times, but we will eventually believe that lie. And that's the danger in comparison. It's a mixture that started with self-pride that moved to deception, to comparisons, and into beliefs. So maybe for you, maybe you don't think you're, you're better than others. Maybe for you, it's the other way around. Maybe you grew up in a legalistic church or a uh, legalistic family, or whatever your situation. Maybe you were told you weren't good enough. Maybe it was never verbally said to you, but actions implied it. It was very clear that you weren't enough to the people around you. 
Maybe you never fit the mold that your church was putting out, creating. Maybe you didn't fit your family dynamics. Maybe you didn't play the sport that your siblings played. Maybe you look different. Maybe you thought different. Maybe you like different music. Maybe you even asked questions that were hard that the church said you shouldn't ask. Here's a big one. Maybe you had doubts. It's sad, church, that some churches don't allow you to doubt things. You know, it's good to process doubts with other people. You shouldn't be shamed for having doubts. Or maybe people judged you and made you feel dumb for struggling. So maybe somebody here has experienced that in their life. Maybe you've been told you're not enough. And then maybe you were told that for so long you believed it. And I'm sorry. Because that's not the gospel we preach. See, see church, it's really dangerous when you're told things like this and then you start to compare what people are telling you and then you, you justify what they're saying. Maybe you're told you're not good enough and you look around and you're like, wow, they were right. So then you just affirmed everything. You sealed the stamp and you, you bought it. I'm not good enough. And church, that's, that's not the gospel. This is what's going on in the church, churches in Galatia, and this still happens in churches today, and it infuriates me because you take such a simple gospel, crystal clear water, and you dump a bunch of mud in it and stir it around. That's what they've done, and that's what we still need to do, and it's not right. It's bad stewardship because we know God is never gonna say, well, at least you weren't as bad as Todd, Right? God's not going to do that. Sorry, Todd. <laughs> I just said Brian. He was right there, too. So if God's not going to do it, why do we do it? Why do we compare ourselves? And it's pride. It comes back to pride. It comes back to comfort. And it's our sinful nature. That is living in the flesh. And there's not a place for that in the church. Because I, I have faith in our leadership here at New Hope. If somebody is operating out of the flesh, it's going to be addressed. Okay, that's why I love New Hope, is the stewardship of our leadership, the accountability we have here. So, in, in, in verse 4 and 5, it, it says, have your Bibles in front of you, I didn't put it on the screen. Okay, it says, investigate your heart, right? Look internally. Don't compare to other people. You need to say, God, is there wicked in me? on what's going on with your heart. It's kind of like the oxygen mask on the airplane, right? What's it say? Put on your mask before helping others. That's what he's saying here. Okay. Okay. Read along with me in your Bibles or up here on the screen. The one who has taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, sows this he will also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will reap destruction from the flesh but the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit let's not become discouraged in doing good for in due time we will reap if we do not become weary so then while we have the opportunity let's do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith
for a minute, okay? Because this, this can be confusing, and we actually talked about this on Tuesday, what this actually means at our teaching team. And we have come to the conclusion, like, this is saying if you learn from a teacher, okay? It doesn't have to be a pastor. It could be a mentor, maybe your small group leader. If you learn from somebody, you should in return bless that somebody, okay? Because if we are doing this faith thing right, if we're doing the Christianity thing right, we need to have this accountability and this spiritual authority in our life. We need to have people that are teaching us. So if Tim's up here speaking on the stage and he's, he blesses you with something, this is what it's saying. You have to bless Tim back. Tell him what he taught you, right? You guys get what I'm saying? Okay, if somebody blesses you, bless them back. This is living in the Spirit in community, okay? In verses 7 through 9, okay, you could compare these. Let me get, well, it's not all on one slide. This is why you have your Bibles in front of you, okay? 7 through 9 is kind of a review of what we heard last week, living in the Spirit, okay? It's talking about sowing and reaping, okay? Sowing and reaping can kind of be compared to gravity, okay? If I were to jump as high as I could off this stage and try to do a belly flop, what's going to happen? I'm going to sow what I just reaped. Wait, no. I'm going to reap what I just sowed. Backwards. Yes, thank you. So, right? It's going to happen, okay? If I've got farmers in the house, I'm not a farmer, so bear with me on my terminology. If I plant a corn kernel, am I going to get a pumpkin? No, okay? God cannot be mocked, okay? You're going to reap what you're going to sow, okay? If you sow of the Spirit, you're going to get the fruits, right? But if you sow in the flesh, you're going to get all the things that come of the flesh, the pride, the dysfunction. So you reap what you sow. Okay. Then in verse 10, okay, looking in your Bibles, we are reminded to do good while we can. Okay? Do good to all, it says, but especially what? The family of believers, church. So we are told to do good to all, but to do a little, a little more. Right? That's how I read that. And it says, while there is still time. Church, this series went fast, right? This was seven weeks, and it went like that. Okay? Time flies. That's what Scripture's talking about. You know, our lives, I, I talked to countless people that have made it further on in their life than I have, and they said, enjoy your 30s while you can, right? Enjoy your 20s. Let's do good while we have the time. Okay, let's move on to um, verses 11 through 18. So we're going to, I have this up by itself because I kind of want to talk about this. So, this is Galatians 6, verse 11, and this is Paul. He goes, he goes, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Okay? Paul's calling attention to his own handwriting because, like I was explaining earlier, like, he was dictating, right? So this would be in Sam's imagination where he jumps off the couch and comes over and writes, right? So, and his handwriting, okay, he's saying this is the seal this is the mark of authenticity that is, that this is Paul. Like, this is for real, okay? This is for realsies. Um, and this is how you know it's not forgery, 
Because what's really crazy is during this time, there were actually other letters circulating that were false, claiming to be from Paul. I didn't know that. I thought that was kind of crazy. So talked about, talk about living in the flesh, right? Let's make false letters to send to the churches and say they're from Paul. Oh, that's just a whole mess. So Paul's saying, hey, I'm clearing the air. Here's my John Hancock, you know, da-da-da, signed it, send it, and I'm going to prove it. And that's what he did, okay? I just thought that was cool. So let's keep reading um, in verses 12 through 18. This is going to summarize the whole series. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh, they're trying to compel you to do things, to be circumcised, okay? These are the works, okay? We're not going to spend much more time there. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but yet they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about circumcision in the flesh. We still. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcised means anything. What counts is the new creation. We're going to come back to verse 15 in just a moment, and we're going to close on this. Talk about the new creation. And then Paul says, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. Wrapping up this letter. From now on, Paul says, let no one cause me trouble. That's kind of a bold statement, if you think about it. Paul's kind of saying, like, hey, it's done. Y'all aren't going to, like, cause me any trouble anymore in Jesus' name. I bear the marks on my body of Jesus. I mean, Paul was beaten for the gospel, all right? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, okay? Brothers and sisters, amen. He's saying goodbye, okay? So this question in verse 15, it's, the question, have you been born again? Okay, Nicodemus said, how can I enter my mother's womb and be born again? Church, I think it's important that we know before we go any further today what that means. Because Jesus said it's, it's flesh that gives birth to flesh, but the spirit must, it has to give birth to spirit. When you and I receive what Jesus did on the cross, we accept the payment that was made for our sins. And the Bible says the whole Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. We are given a new birth and we are born again. And, and church, this is where the church has messed it up in Galatia. And churches do it today. Because you can't earn this gift. gift. You can't do A, B, C, D, and then you get the gift. These churches, they were trying to earn salvation through works. Man-made stuff. So our challenge today, church, have you received the gift? Have you received him as Savior? So, so we're going to take a moment and pray. And this is an opportunity to, to receive this gift. And this, this prayer that we're going to pray, it's not a special prayer. It's not special words in a special order. It's a heart condition. So if you have not yet made that decision, 
to allow Jesus Christ into your life and receive the Holy Spirit, but would like to walk into that gift, would like to walk into the fruits, please pray this prayer with us. Or if you want to say a similar prayer in your own words, please do that as well. So church, let's, let's pray together. And if you want to make that proclamation, do that, do that today. Say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I fall short. I know I cannot earn the gift of salvation. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. And Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart. Jesus, I want to trust you. I want more of you. Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior. In church, we say amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer or your own version of that prayer today, please let somebody know on our leadership team. Please let a small group leader know. Write it on your Connect card if you want. It's our desire at New Hope to live in community. Because we weren't created to do this alone. So if you've prayed that prayer, you're a part of the family. And we want to know you're in the family. So we can we can apply what we learned in Galatians 6 because it's our desire to love you and to love each other and to love God, to love God and love others. So let's go ahead and pray, church. And after I pray, uh, Jim's gonna come up and do some announcements. So church, let's, let's pray. Dear God, I, I thank you for New Hope Church and I thank you for the leadership team that, that you've created here, God, in the environment. God, I thank you for your son Jesus and, and the gift of salvation that we can receive. Something we can't earn, God. Something we don't deserve. God, please be with us as we travel today, God. Keep us safe. God, we love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.